I want to read to you the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8 and I want to talk to you this morning about how to destroy something because I like demolition and I think demolition is fun have you ever demoed something I mean, demoing is good. I used to go around in the, the nation and break stuff. Some of you don't realize that, but I used to be on the, the power team, and I used to, you know, run through two-by-fours and blow up hot water bottles and bust the bricks. And I used to be so embarrassed when I used to do it. I really have to be honest with you. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. I'm wearing a Captain American uniform. It's embarrassing. But I'd always be uh, taken back by the kids. Be, uh, they would be so enamored. And even professional athletes, they would be like, can you sign the brick? Can you sign this? And, and I realized, you know why? Because destroying stuff's pretty cool. Just destroying like buildings and, and getting ready to renovate them. But I, I want you to, to take this thought this morning because I want you and I to destroy something called discouragement. Because discouragement comes to every person at the sound of my voice. And by the faith of God and the word of God, we're going to take the sledgehammers out this morning and we are going to demo and destroy discouragement today. Read with me Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8 and following. It says, the Lord himself goes before you. I love that. And he'll be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I like that because God's going before you and he says, I'm preparing the way. I'm making the crooked places straight. I've already been behind you because I'm alpha and omega and I want you not to be discouraged. If he's telling you don't be discouraged, then guess what you've been? Discouraged. Thank you, the group on the right. I think all of us need to destroy discouragement once and for all. Thank you, Lord, for your mighty power. Thank you for the anointing of God that breaks the yoke. And, Lord, I'm thankful today that you're going to give us the tools we need to, demol to demolition and destroy discouragement once and for all. In Jesus' name and all God's men and women said... Amen. You could be seated this morning. And again, I just I'm so thankful that you're here today. And if you are a guest with us, be sure to go by that Welcome Center and get a gift from our hearts to yours. I think it's a, a free latte and some other stuff or maybe a book uh, if we still have some available. But just feel, feel free to go by there. We're glad that you're here. Can you give our guest another round of applause? Thank you for coming. I want to keep seeing this place. Again, keep inviting people. You know, Easter's coming. It's a great way to invite people. We have Easter services, a Good Friday service. Our, our services on Sunday will be phenomenal, but we're preparing for Easter with baptisms and things like that. You should see our amazing baptismal tank. It is tight. We just bought it, and it is really nice. You're going to love it. And what I love about it, I don't have to get in the water. I think that's amazing. You get in, I don't have to. Oh, you don't understand, but you understand if you were the one having to get in the water with 100 people and the water gets real, real bad on the 99th. I just think that's really good. I don't have to get in it. But I want you to realize today that discouragement comes to everybody. Discouragement comes to everybody. Discouragement can lead to depression. Now, when I'm talking about depression, I'm talking about the blues and blahs, not a psychosis where you have to go to the doctor and get checked out because you're, you're battling severe depression. I'm talking about discouragement, the blues and the blahs that come because of life. 
Everybody gets discouraged. As a matter of fact, when depression or discouragement can come over a number of things. How about when you get a health diagnosis that you weren't prepared for and you never thought it was happened to you and you get this diagnosis and discouragement begins to come. How about a financial crisis where you're trying your best, you're working hard and financially you just can't make it work and then you realize I've got to put God first but discouragement can come to everybody. Broken relationships. We know how it happens when we're going through life and we have people close to us and and then something happens in the broken relationship whether it's a marriage or a close friendship or a family member tragedy unexpected an accident comes and maybe the loved one now has passed away suddenly and unexpectedly and discouragement has settled in and what was important yesterday you're not even speaking about tomorrow because discouragement has come I want you to understand today in the word of God there is you and I can have the ability to take out the hammers and to destroy discouragement but it comes to everybody who gets discouraged everybody gets discouraged at one time or another I think about Moses he was discouraged he was depressed he went up to a mountain face to face with God now you think about for a moment if you are having a face-to-face encounter with the creator of the universe I do not think that discouragement could really come when you've had a face-to-face encounter with God or when you get supernaturally healed I, I think it's it's hard sometimes to think man how can discouragement come when God's touched me before but it comes to everybody because Moses is an example he gets a face-to-face encounter with God he comes down off the mountain and while he's having this amazing encounter with God he comes off the mountain and the church that that he's now leading they elect a new pastor how many of you know that would be depressing if I come in on Sunday and you, you get up as a, as a corporate setting and say, Joey, you're out. Now we've got yuck, yuck in. I would be depressed. I would probably do something not good, but it would be depressing. Not only does it discourage him while he's, while he's up there, not only do they elect a new pastor, but they get a new theology, a golden calf theology. Because Israel, like many people, they wanted a God that they could touch. They wanted a God that they can see. And so they make this golden calf. They start worshiping the golden calf. Moses returns. He found them in immorality. He found them worshiping the golden calf, electing a new pastor. He was discouraged. The Bible says he threw down the Ten Commandments and he broke them. God says, you don't realize I wrote the first 10. Now you're going to write the next one because you got discouraged and threw it down. And he was, he was discouraged. I read about Elijah, the great prophet of God. He's running from a woman by the name of Jezebel. She's telling him that this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. He runs for his life. He's, he's literally hiding, the scriptures say, under a juniper tree. And he's, he's praying a prayer. Here's his prayer. God, take my life. Take my life. He's asking for death. He's wanting to die. God, take my life. I'm the last one left living for you. How many of you are glad that God doesn't answer some of your pity pot prayers? Am I the only one? Here he is. He's saying, God, take my life. I'm the last one left living from you. This is a man that called fire down from heaven. This is a man that ran 40 miles in front of the king's chariot. I thought about running the mile the other day. I had to sit down till the feeling left me. 
And he's hiding under this juniper tree. He's running from a skinny little woman with a lot of makeup on. And he's saying, God, take my life. And God's going, you don't even know what you're asking. But he was discouraged. King David said something that I think many Christians overlook. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? He was discouraged over the decisions that he had made that had backfired on him. How many of you have made wrong decisions before? Can I see your hand? How many of you have made foolish decisions? Can I see your hand? How many of you are alive this morning? Okay, we're just checking. Some of you won't vote for anything. Look at you. I read about the story of a millionaire. He, he died. He passed away. And when he passed away, he left his wife the house and the car and a few other items. But he left his secretary millions of dollars. His wife was so discouraged. She was so depressed. She ran over to the, to the home where she had inscribed on the, on the tombstone all the loving words. And she says, I want you to take those words off the tombstone. The man that, was, that described it on there says, we can't. It's granite. She says, okay then. Then I want you under the words, rest in peace. I want you to scratch it out and put under the words, rest in peace, until we meet again. Do you know the disciples were discouraged? That's why Jesus said in the book of John chapter 14, we read it at funeral services, but really it's a service for those who are alive. He said, let not your heart be troubled. The point is Jesus was the son of God. He was their pastor. They've been with him for three and a half years. They've saw miracle after miracle after miracle, even to the raising of the dead. And it shows us that even those who are the closest to Jesus Christ can be discouraged until the day that he left them. I think it's important because great men and women of God, they get discouraged. They go through disappointments. They go through what I would call depression. They have bouts of the blues and blah. And if life is a bowl of cherries like that book, why am I always in the pits? They're, these are the ones that battle. I read biographies often of great people and even people that aren't so great in the natural. And I've read the biography many times of a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. He was one of the greatest ministers of this day or any other day. Charles Spurgeon was preaching to a tabernacle filled with thousands and thousands of people back in the day when you didn't have those type of crowds that would gather. And he was ministering one day and a, a mentally ill man, he, he stood up and he screamed, fire, fire, fire. And this massive crowd began to stampede to the back doors and four of Spurgeon's dearest friends were trampled to death. They died. His mind literally snapped. The deacons took him over to one of their homes and they gave Spurgeon one of the greatest medical counsel available. They prayed around the clock for the man of God. The survival of their pastor, they needed to intercede and pray for him. Spurgeon said in his biography, it was a light that had pierced through the darkness and he can feel the presence of Jesus. A few days later, walking in the garden, Spurgeon said he was restored because of the counsel of the dearest of friends friends. That's why weeping may endure for the night, but joy may come in the morning. I read the biography of Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest men of God to walk the planet. His crusades, people would be supernaturally healed of tumors and cancers and all types of disease. And this man would see such miraculous miracles in his crusade, but every night he would lay on the floor in his house because he was in tremendous pain because of kidney stones. And he asked God, God, you've healed all all those other people, but why not me? Why not me? 
Can you see discouragement in those types of statements? Abraham Lincoln, one of our greatest presidents, the, 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 it tells us that he suffered discouragement and depression all of his adult life. Winston Churchill, the lion of Livermore, if you read about Churchill, he was the instrumental in crushing the Nazi regime in World War II. He says never give in and never give up. Winston Churchill suffered deep depression. He said, quote, depression follows me like a black dog all the days of my life. So everyone gets discouraged a time or two and these are causes of discouragement today that I think you and I need to take note of so we can overcome them by truth and by God's anointing do you know what causes discouragement these are some of the greatest things that cause it that I've written down today that I think you need to understand one of them is extreme disappointment when you're disappointed do you know nobody ever gets discouraged when everything's going right it's true, isn't it? When you got money in the bank, everyone's healthy, your car's running good. Who needs God, man, when your wife has a good job? <laughs> you work, honey. I'll stay home with the kids. Lazy bum. But when things go bad, when your business goes upside down, your marriage begins to fall apart, relationships get dissolved, your children start having issues, your health begins to fail, there's a crisis that begins to come. Now you're asking God, where are you in this? And this extreme disappointment can cause discouragement. How about a lack of self-esteem? I think Jennifer said it so beautifully earlier that realizing how much God loves me, when we don't realize it, it causes a lack of self-esteem. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Many people hate their neighbor, not because their neighbor's a jerk. It's because the person in the mirror, they don't like. They don't like the man in the mirror. It's not a Michael Jackson song. They don't like the person that they see in the mirror. The point is, if you don't like yourself, you will not like your neighbor. That's why you have to get up every day, look in the mirror like I do, and say, good looking, you good looking man, you. Good morning, good looking. You are good looking. You are special. You are unique. I, I have to tell myself that because you don't tell me anything. <laughs> the only thing you tell me is when you got a problem. <laughs> Pastor, let's just keep this a matter of prayer. No, no, no. So you have to get up every day and say, I am special. I am unique. I am qualified. I am talented. I am anointed. you got to speak those things. Some of you have to speak them really in faith. I understand it. But you have to speak them out because we're not to compare. Because discouragement comes in. My other point is unfair comparisons. So you have to realize you are unique and you are beautifully and wonderfully made. When God made you, there was no substitutes. He made you. He created you. Come on, help me preach it, somebody. He designed you specifically on purpose for a purpose. And extreme discouragement comes in because we lack self-esteem. Because of how we were raised, our upbringing, or what we've went through. And we start lacking being a person of influence and excellence because we lack self-esteem. I think it's important because we start having un unfair comparisons. Do you know there's not one verse in the Bible that says compare yourself with other people? But what do we do? We compare ourselves with other people, especially in social media. I don't know about you, but I hate looking at other people's vacations. I get so offended when I see my pastor friends and their awesome services and their vacations. They always show the crowd, always full, and I'm thinking, people don't come to Oasis all the time. 
Yeah, because you devils won't invite people. <laughs> Teasing. Come on, lighten up. But there's always a comparison issue that comes in when you see people and they're like, they're traveling to exotic places. They're going to Milan, Italy. You can't even go to Lodi. They're going to all these places. You're seeing them doing all these fun things. And you're like, oh, man, I stink. My family. And we start having this comparison trap with other people. The Bible says don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Stop doing that because it's ungodly. It's unscriptural. And it will discourage you. And it will depress you. Because do you know what's going to happen? You will see what's in others. And you won't see it in yourself. And it will discourage you. It reminds me of the story of the two ladies we're talking. One had been married three times and one had never been married. And the lady that had been married three times, all of her husbands were deceased and they were all on the urns, on the fireplace, on the mantle in, in front of the ladies that were talking. And the lady that had never been married says, I don't understand it. You have husbands to burn and I can't find one. It's the comparisons. Do you know if you copy somebody else's lifestyle, the best you'll ever be is number two. Why be a cheap carbon copy when God made you in a wonderful original? Made you an original. Don't compare yourselves because here's the facts. There's always going to be somebody better, somebody brighter, somebody who can have a better business angle, somebody who has a better work ethic. There's always going to be somebody better, brighter, more pure, prettier than you, somebody that can preach better. Well, not me, but somebody that's going to try to do it, and you're going to look at it and say, I don't compare to that, but that's okay. You enjoy the gifts and talents God has given you. Use the gifts he's given you to glorify him. Don't worry about what you can't do. Worry about what God's given you to do. Be faithful, be useful, be happy, serve and serve now for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness in the house of God today? I think it's important because we let discouragement come in, not only by the comparison trap, because social media is so stupid. It can be so dumb. I'm sorry, but it could be so dumb. You look at people, and they've got the right filter, and then they, they put all these things in. It's like the, the people that they take pictures behind their certain exotic car. They don't own that car. They got a Volvo. They're, they're behind a Lamborghini. It's like, no, you don't have a Lamborghini, sucker. You got a Volvo. Take a picture in your Volvo or your Le Car. I don't know how you roll, but just take it and be honest with it. But we always try to compare. And then there's this sense of what I call discouragement comes in. And you understand this when I'll tell you, we feel trapped. A sense of feeling trapped. Discouragement comes in when you're trapped in an intolerable situation. A bad marriage. You, you feel discouraged. A bad relationship. A shaky business deal. A crisis. An illness. You feel and you battle this thing called discouragement which leads to depression. And it's what I call this, this trap that the enemy will set. But God always gives us a way of escape. 
The Bible tells us that there is a way of escape. Nothing that you face that the Holy Spirit will not provide escape for you. Something for you to get out of. You need to realize that today because if you're feeling trapped today, I feel the heaven touching this point. If you feel like you're in an intolerable situation and a trapped situation, I'm telling you, look up your redemption draw of nigh. Look up. God's got a great escape for you. Look up. The Lord says he'll bink you the head and not the tail. Look up. God says I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll fight the battle for you and I'll make the crooked places straight. I'm Alpha and I'm Omega and the best of things will come to those who trust in me. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. But we have this this, this really issue of, of, of feeling like we're trapped. And how about unrealistic goals? Have you ever been there where you've done that, where you have unrealistic goals set? Some of us have done that. Some of us who are people, what I would call type A, and people that are wanting to get things done, if we're not careful, we can set up some unrealistic goals for ourselves. You know, you can be anything in life you want to be, but you can't be everything. That's important, right? Because I wrote this down. You can be a brain surgeon or a boxer or an author, but you can't be all three because you're going to get your brains knocked out. You get my point. So when you have unrealistic goals, you'll constantly be frustrated. And you, you'll have to say, God, what, has you, what have you equipped me to do? What is it, God, that you have equipped me to do? The Bible says this one thing that I'm to do, I'm to focus on the one thing and I'm to set my, my face like a flint and be a person of excellence and set a goal, keep a goal, maintain it. And if I don't get there, that's okay. God's got something better for me because I'm not going to have unrealistic expectations on myself or my children. And how about that? Because I think discouragement comes for a lot of people when they set unrealistic goals, when they honor the Lord in the giving, and they think the, the, the hundredfold get, get to them before they get out of the lobby. God, I want a Mercedes, and, and, and you, you don't even have a car yet. Why not get a car and work yourself up to it? But my point is don't set yourself up for failure. And then what I would call discouragement would come is when you... When, when there's something to be taught of in a spiritual realm like this, when there's a, a, a malfunction in your physical, your spiritual, your emotional. In other words, it's what I would call you're battling something that you need to go to the doctor for. You need to go to the doctor for. It's a biological imbalance, and you need to get a checkup from the doctor. Because we're people of faith, and as people of faith... We have to realize we live in faith, we trust the Lord, but the Bible tells us something important. The Bible says good and perfect gifts come from above. The good and perfect gifts come from above. If it was up to Satan, he would rob, he would kill, and he would destroy every person at the sound of my voice. He wouldn't have a hospital. He would put you back in the, in the second century, and you would live in squalor, and you would not live into your 30s, and you would die. But the Bible tells us that the good and the perfect gifts come from above. Doctors are good. Nurses are good. Hospitals are good. They're not perfect, but they're good. So there's nothing wrong. Listen to me closely. You're getting something spiritual here that you need to take hold of. There's nothing wrong with going to the doctor for a physical checkup. 
and letting God bring healing through that doctor, bring healing through that medication. There's nothing wrong with that. But some Christians don't have an idea. There are people in heaven, I believe, too prematurely because they didn't understand the principle of of being imbalanced and not having a biological understanding that God created your body, but he also put wisdom on this earth and gave us wisdom to take care of our bodies and gave people greater wisdom that they would help us take care of ourselves. How many of you understand what I'm saying? So get a good checkup. Don't be imbalanced and say, well, Jesus is going to heal me, going to heal me, and God's going, I've got healing for you. Go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. Stop sneezing around everybody, infecting everybody else. And I think that's important as we close our time. Worship team, uh, Pat, would you please come? Because some of us, we start to measure ourselves by our past lives and our past problems. And I think it's so important because if you stay focused on the past, it will only hinder you. No matter if your past was amazing or if your past wasn't so amazing. But if you only are past focused and not forward positioned, you will always live in discouragement. Because what you'll end up doing is say, remember back in the good old days? Remember in the good old days and the power of tabernacle? Remember in the good old days when the kids were little and now they're gone out of the house? Remember in the good old days? And if we're not careful, we don't realize these are the good old days. You're going to look back on this time of your life And go, remember when I was having my kids live at the house? Remember when the kids still came over? Remember when? You see, these are the good old days. But you can't be be past-possessed. You've got to look forward-focused. If the past was horrible, can I encourage you? Forget it. If the past was wonderful, cherish it. But you need to move on from it. You've got to stop majoring in the problems of the past or the blessings of the past. This is a new day. This is a new beginning. You've got to trust God that he's got greater things yet to come. But what happens is, specifically when things weren't good in the past, we always, because the enemy's a liar, we begin to remember those things, rehearse those things, rehash those things. One of the greatest illustrations I can share with you is a story that I've read by a man by the name of Dr. Frankel. Dr. Frankel was captured and placed in the death camps by the Nazis in World War II because he was Jewish. That was the only reason. And because he was Jewish, Hitler wanted to exterminate the Jewish race. And he built a campaign around his war-torn ambitions, not to just take on the world, but really at the base of why he did it, he wanted to annihilate God's race and Dr. Frankel was one of those he was Jewish and he was placed in one of these Nazi death camps because he was Jewish his wife was killed his children were killed his parents were brutally murdered in the Holocaust in the concentration camp the Gestapo made him strip his clothes they cut his hair off they gave him a tattoo for a name they cut off his wedding band and Dr. Frankel said Think about this for a moment. He said, you can take away my wife. You can take away my parents. You can take away my children. You can take away my clothes. You can cut off my hair. You can give me a number for a name. But the one thing you'll never take from me is my freedom to choose how I react to what happens to me. Wow. Wow. God, give us the strength of that man. He said, I choose triumph over tragedy. I choose delight over depression. He says, I choose not to be defeated. 
And you know what? He was not defeated. So I'm telling you in Jesus' name, if God has given you this day, let this day be forward focused. Choose this day whom you serve. Forgetting those things which are behind you. Reach toward what lies ahead. Whatever things are good, wholesome, honest, trustworthy. Think upon those things. Think upon those things. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the solution which is in Jesus. Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope thou in God. Have I not commanded you be strong and be of good courage for the Lord God is with you wherever you go rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice you have to rejoice by choice if something in you you have to decide to do you got to face your problem head on and with the hand of the Lord in your hand there's nothing that you cannot accomplish because God is with you God is with you in closing I want to give you the steps to absolutely destroy discouragement. Let's take the hammer out and let's destroy it today. And you attack it by the word of the living God. How do you destroy discouragement? By fixing yourself upward by the word of God. It's so important because it's not about right living. If I got up here like a denominational person or a, a religious person, all I would tell you every week is live right, live right, live right, live right, serve God, serve God, serve God, serve God, serve God. And what you would be is a person that was confused. Because if you had the ability to live right, serve God, serve God, do right, do right, you would have done it. Use your brain. You can't do it. That's why me telling you to do it is not going to accomplish it. You can't live right until you think right. And you only think right when you get truth. And truth is the word of God. I believe in counseling, but friends, I do not believe in eternal counseling. I do not believe that people are, uh, I'm a survivor. I, I'm, I'm 20 years sober. I'm 20 years an alcoholic. Get rid of that stinking thinking. You are the righteousness of God in Christ the Lord. You are an overcomer. You're not a sinner saved by grace. Once you receive Christ, you are the righteousness of God in Christ the Lord. You've got to get rid of that. I believe the root of most problems are people's thinking because if they would just think about the Word of God and live out that Word of God, most of their major problems would start to dissipate and be resolved. Not saying that you won't have issues, but most of them, as you live by God's Word, will instantly solve themselves. But somebody that chooses not to will live in a constant discouragement place because they've never renewed their mind. They've never realized there's an elevating. There's an elevating of your thought process. There's an elevating of what God's word says. There's an elevating by the principles of love, joy, and peace, the fruit of the spirit. When people say, I'm spirit-filled, and their face just looks like a poisoned bulldog baptized in lemon juice. I'm spirit filled. Can somebody notify their face? Because the joy of the Lord shall be our strength. The joy of the Lord. I cringe. I do when I hear the words, I can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't love my husband. I can't love my wife. I can't do this. I can't stop my drugs. I can't give up my living lover. Liar. Liar. You need to get truthful and say, I won't. 
I won't give up this. I won't give up that. I won't give up this because I love that. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Can I get a witness this morning? So you attack the problem with the word of God. Because, you know, this is a side note because you guys are friendly. But I can't is the brother of I don't want to. So when we say I can't, what you're really saying is I don't want to. When I ask people to do things in the church and they always tell me, let me pray about it. I think, oh, you're not going to ever do it. Okay, I get it. Because if somebody's asking you to do something in the church, you should say, yes, I'm called of God. I'll do what it takes. Not, I'm going to pray about it. You little spiritual hiney, you. You are never going to do anything for God. I'll pray about it. That means no. No. Hey, can you, can you serve as an usher or a greeter? Can you help in the children's ministry? Can you, let me pray about it. <laughs> Don't get me started. Don't do it. You better move on with the anointing. Because sometimes you have to realize discouragement comes and you have to attack that problem with the word. And you also have to spend time each and every day meditating on that word. Your mind is like a computer. What comes in is going to come out. Garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff's going to come out. You have to meditate on the word of God each and every day. Psalms 1 verse 2, but the delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law, he meditates on it day and night. When you meditate on the good things of God, you'll elevate your thoughts you'll elevate your life you'll elevate your home you'll elevate those who are around you because you're elevating your success rate gets absolutely illuminated so you have to you have to meditate on that word each and every day that's why after Easter we're going to take our midweeks and we're going to go deeper into God's word after Sundays and we're going to have studies for women specifically six weeks and men for six weeks for those who want to go deeper in that after this Elevate conference we're, go, we're going to get there and we're going to see God do an amazing thing but you have to realize that if you're going to be a person that gets rid of discouragement and dismantles it you got to get rid of grudges you can't live with resentment and bitterness of what those that have hurt you it's always those who are closest to us that betray us and hurt us because if they weren't close to us, it wouldn't matter. We wouldn't care if it was people that we didn't know, that we didn't love. That's why you got to get rid of those grudges each and every day. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I like Old Testament prayers when God would pray in the Old Testament and God take my enemies and smash their teeth in. I like Old Testament prayers. <laughs> oh, am I the only one? And then I get upset when Jesus says, forgive those who have harmed you. Do good those who have persecuted you. Bless those who have slandered you and talked about you. No, I said, no, go back to the Old Testament, Lord. Smash them in the teeth. But we have to get rid of those grudges each and every day. That's why you have to look for ways to forgive. Every day, be a person that forgives before the offense even comes because you will be offended. You gotta get over that. You say, it's difficult for me, I know, but with God's help, you can do it. With God's help, you can do it. And that's why you have to spend time each and every day being more intimate with those that you love, family members, close to you, friends, because life is a precious gift. And you have to spend time each day with those gifts that God has given you, your family, those that you love, and spending time each week with committed Christians who are full of the Spirit. 
it's important to get around spirit-filled people. Don't get around people that are lounge lizards. You'll become a lounge lizard. You get around people who are naysayers and always negative. You're going to be like that. I had a guy that was a part of the church years ago, and he would always come, and he would say, Pastor, these people are talking about you. And finally I said to him, why are you a receptacle for everybody talking bad about me? And then I realized it was him. He was the garbage can that held all the negativity. And so you have to be around people of like spirit. People who, who have that honor system, who honor God, who will honor you. People of like precious faith. Second Peter 1 and 1, I'm, I want you to hear this because Simon Peter, a bondservant, the apostle of Jesus Christ, to obtained like precious faith by the righteousness of God to those who have obtained it. When you run around with those type of people, they won't attain what you got. You've got to be a person that gets around people. That's why church is so important, getting around people that will elevate your spirit, lift you up, and then you've got to find something that every day that brings you personal satisfaction so you're not discouraged something every day I tell you I'd minister every day if you guys would come to church you don't hurts my heart was disappointed in our Wednesday nights as little bit of crowd coming I was so discouraged I'm like they won't even come I'd come I'd do services every night if people would come it brings me satisfaction it uplifts me to minister the word of God but I think about what, what is it that, that lifts you up? you got to find satisfaction in something daily. I think that's the three faces of happiness. Something to do, something to love, and something to hope for. Something to do, something to love, and something to hope for. And that's important. You need that every day throughout the week. Something to do, something to love, and something to hope for. That's really important. And here's the last one, and I'll finish. Do something nice, one person. I put every week because I realize you're not that spiritual. Some of you are not getting it, but it's, it really should be every day. Just those of you who are spiritual, just put in your notes every day. Let's start for some of you every week. And what I mean by that, what do you want people to give to you? What do you want people to give to your family? Then what you want people to give to you and what you want people to give to your family, take something every week. Notice I didn't say every day because some of us, that's an unrealistic goal. And remember I told you that would discourage you? So I don't want to discourage you. I want to lift you. So take once a week something that you want somebody to do for you or your children and do it to them. Do it to them. In other words, if you want other people to give to you, give to somebody. Pay for somebody's meal. Do something for them. If you want somebody to be a blessing to your children, be a blessing to somebody else's children. I tell you, if you want to touch a dad's heart, be a kind-hearted to their children. It will touch a parent's heart, and you will have a lifelong friend. If you bless my children, and I bless your children, we'll be lifelong partners and buddies. I think it's important because you got to do something nice for one special person every week. Then that every week turns to every day. But let's start it with a week. There's a challenge for us. Let's do it every week. If it can be your time, it could be your love, it could be flowers, it could be a card, it could be a bowl of red beans. You know what that means scripturally. It could be something special on a regular basis that you find that by giving your life away, 
you'll find it. By giving your life away, you'll find it. That's the, a great thing to live by. Give my life away and I'll find it. The Bible says in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given back unto you. With the same measure that you're giving out, it shall be back unto you. How many of you received that word this morning? Can we stand together? I know that you do. As we stand and close our time today, I'm so thankful you're here. And as we close our time, can we bow our heads in the presence of God? Are you as happy as you choose to be? Yes. Are many of you discouraged? Yes. Defeating this issue of discouragement first is a choice. How many of you can say with the, your head bowed and eyes closed, Joey, there's a form of discouragement that's ruling an area of my life. And today I want to feel joy and peace because I haven't felt it in a long time. If that's you, can I see your hand this morning? There's an area of discouragement over your life right now. It may be in your health, it may be in your home, it may be with your children, it may be in your grandbabies, but there's an area of discouragement right now. Can I see your hands quickly? Let's move. Hallelujah. Thank you for your honesty. Hallelujah. How many of you this morning, maybe you're not where you need to be with the Lord and today you need to give your heart over to Christ. I'm, or maybe you've grown cold or indifferent to the things of God. You're a Christian, but today you need to rededicate back to him and catch fire again. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. And I'd like us all to say this prayer together as we close our time today. And I'd like us all to join in this prayer. If you're watching by the way of the internet, you can join us as well. Let's say this prayer together. Lord Jesus Christ, I want your peace. I want your joy. And the authority of your name, I rebuke every form and every manifestation of discouragement and depression in my life and now in faith believing I receive joy and I receive peace and I receive your fullness in your presence let it resonate in my heart and in my life I receive Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord in Jesus name